Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for Palm Sunday, the, the day when we as a church all over the world celebrate you on a donkey. I pray, God, that even though this text is very familiar, even though this moment may feel somewhat nostalgic, that we wouldn't miss the significance of palm branches, laying our coats down and declaring the words, Hosanna. I pray, Lord, in the same way that you provide a beautiful sunrise every morning that is fresh and new, that right now in this moment, as we look at your word, God, that we would remember that you have a way in your power, in your sovereign goodness and graciousness to speak to us. And I ask God that you would help us to listen. You told us last week, this is my son with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. I pray, God, that right now in this moment we would unplug from all the distractions I pray, Spirit of God, that you would illuminate these scriptures and King Jesus, that you would reveal yourself to us. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we pray this together in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Have you ever been surprised by someone? Where like you thought you knew someone, but then they surprised you. I had that happen this week. If you know me, you know that I oftentimes have difficulties with automobiles. And this week, my humble beast, my Subaru, uh, decided that the key would no longer work. It just wouldn't turn. Uh, I tried all the tricks. We went on YouTube, did everything. I, I believe that this was nothing no fault on my part for the first time, and it was just a broken ignition. So I called my friend, Steve Keena. If you know Steve, you know that he is a mechanic, and I asked him, hey, this is happening, um, what do you think? And he said, well, let me look at it. And Steve looks at it, and, and uh, he says, hey, let, let me uh, take care of it. Long story short, Wednesday, he shows up to the church parking lot. That's where the humble beast, my car, um, was parked, uh, and he shows up with a tow truck. He just decided, I have a friend who has a tow truck, and he showed up with a tow truck and somehow towed my car to his house and took out my ignition, took the ignition apart, which you're not supposed to do apparently, and thanks be to God, fixed it without even having to buy a new part. Yeah. Everyone, you guys want to bless Steve? He's here somewhere. You know, as, as I was just observing his abilities and his giftings and the fact that he could just grab a tow truck and tow a car, I, I was just so incredibly um, surprised at his ability and his ingenuity and the way that he solved all these problems that I would have just been like, uh, maybe we should just burn the car and start over again. <laughs> like, <laughs> today we're looking at Jesus on a donkey. And I believe that as we look at him on a donkey, that if you're open, that you're gonna learn some incredibly important, maybe even new or fresh things about Jesus today. Things 
that are life-changing. And I just don't want you to miss them. And so I would encourage you in this moment, as we look at Palm Sunday and we think about the significance of Jesus riding in on a donkey on Palm Sunday, that you would just be ready to be surprised. As we look at this story, we know that Jesus is coming from the Mount of Olives and he is coming in to Jerusalem. His disciples are with him. In Matthew chapter 11, it tells us that, that he tells his disciples, he tells them to go and, the, and to go to this random person's house and to tell them that they have a donkey. And then when they go there, the, the person's gonna question them and he's gonna say, All right, what, what are you doing with my donkey? And he says, this is for the Lord. And he's gonna know what's gonna happen and they're gonna go and they're gonna get this donkey and it's not gonna be just any donkey, it's going to be a full, an unbroken colt. A baby donkey that's never been ridden. And they are to bring this donkey to Jesus. And as they bring it to Jesus, they're to, they're to put their coats on the donkey. And they're to lead the donkey in. And Jesus is going to ride in. He's not going to walk in. He's going to ride in on a donkey into Jerusalem. Now you may be wondering, why did Jesus do this? Why didn't he just walk in like everybody else? Why, why a donkey and, and not a horse? Or, or if I was coming in as a king, why not a chariot? Well, the first thing you need to know about Jesus on a donkey is that this is incredibly significant to the Old Testament story. And we learn from looking at Jesus on a donkey that he was crowned humbly. That he was crowned humbly. And this, the, 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 the truth, this was like a coronation of his crowning. This, this, there's this quote in where, where, where as the disciples are, are, are crying out and the people are crying out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the son of David. This is, is a call unto this Old Testament prophecy in, in Zechariah. Zechariah 9, 9, when, when, he, when there's this prophecy that the king, the Messiah, would come and he would bring salvation and redemption to the people. And as Jesus is on this donkey, he is a fulfillment of this direct prophecy. Not only this, when, when we think of donkey, we think of, you know, um, maybe, not, that's maybe not the most royal animal to ride into. But if you know in 1 Kings chapter one, when King David was getting ready to, to have his son Solomon, the son of David, ride in to be crowned the next king, he said to get his mule, his donkey, and have King Solomon ride in. A foreshadowing of Jesus riding in on a donkey. A prophecy that the next person who would ride in on a donkey would be this Messiah and the people who are oppressed, who are under the rule of Rome, as they see and hear that Jesus is coming in on a donkey, there's this anticipation. There's, there's this excitement. There's these, this crying out, Hosanna, these words, Hosanna. What, what it meant was, in, in, in Hebrew, it meant, save us, please. Save us now, save us, Lord. And, and this is a, a quote from Psalm 118, where, the, where there's this, this, this messianic psalm of crying out to God for salvation and, and redemption, and Jesus is being crowned. It's really interesting also, 
we talked about this in our teaching team. One of, uh, one of our guys talked about how, you know, that Jesus rode in on an unbroken colt. Anybody here ever tried to ride an unbroken colt? Maybe, uh, I think Mike shared, you know, him and his brothers used to, they would see an unbroken colt and they would say, hey, who wants to hop on that? And, uh, and then I think his brother Marty would and then he would get, fall off and break a bone or something like that. You don't just hop on an unbroken animal and ride into town, yet we learn that Jesus does this And picture this, picture this. Jesus on this donkey, and what is the donkey doing? It is submitting to the king of kings. Later on in one of the gospels, Jesus, there's this questioning, and he says the stones, nature will cry out if you do not. And just the picture of Jesus on this unbroken donkey should remind us of the incredible power that was within him that he had access to at all times. And as he's riding in on this donkey, this donkey is carrying him in. There's this awe and this reverence. I remember I helped, I used to be one of the Josephs in the living nativity. And I remember one of the scenes years ago was that we had to lead the donkey. And uh, there's another word for donkey that I would use when we were talking about the donkey. I thought about using it in a sermon because I thought I could actually get away with it, but I still don't think I should. But, but, in other, but, but, but I remember just feeling like this stubborn donkey. <laughs> I could not have any control over this thing. It did whatever it wanted. And yet here we see Christ our Lord crowned humbly and this donkey leading him in. I want you to have this picture of Jesus as you, as, you, as you picture yourself in this story, as you think about in the crowd, watching him come in, that he was truly crowned. This was a coronation, and it was exciting, and it was powerful. But don't miss this. As we see Jesus on the donkey, we don't just see a king who's crowned with all of his humility. We don't just see that we also see his humble heart. It tells us in Zechariah that he was on a humble beast. I love this truth. Jane Ortland wrote a book called Gentle and Lowly, and he writes about King Jesus and this truth of his own heart being this gentle and lowly. He said this, gentle and lowly, this, according to his own testimony, is Christ's very heart. This is who he is, tender, open, welcoming, accommodating, understanding, willing. If we are asked to say only one thing about who Jesus is, we would be honoring Jesus' own teaching. Our answer is gentle and lowly. When Jesus said, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest, take my yoke upon me, and learn from me, for I am gentle. That word gentle is the same word that is used of him on a donkey. That's the only time in scripture when Jesus talks about his heart, gentle and lowly. So we have him being crowned humbly, but also as you look at him, hear this, see this, there's also this crying bitterly. I think we missed this. 
It's a celebration, right? And we're thinking that Jesus is coming in to overtake Rome. We're thinking that he's coming in to win a battle. We're thinking that he's coming in to, 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 to go into City Hall and to take back whatever it is. And he's coming in to go to a cross. And I want you to see this. I, I want you to, if you, if you can, look at, look at what happens here in, uh, in, in the Luke account. I wanted to have this Luke account because it was just so it just grabbed me as I was reading through this and thinking through this message and, and, and the significance of Jesus on a donkey. It said, when he drew near and he saw the city, he wept over it. When he drew near and he saw the city, he wept over it. The word here for wept is, is literally to, to, to weep. It's not just like he was holding it back. He, he wept over it. He was crying bitterly for it. And I, I believe as he was weeping, and I don't think it was as much about going to the cross as much as knowing the people of Israel and knowing that they would reject him, knowing that he was coming to, 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 to say that the kingdom had come and that the people would arrange for his crucifixion. And they would turn their backs on the coming Messiah. And he's weeping knowing that judgment would come. And his heart, his humble heart for me and for you and for the people is a heart that feels this pain. It reminds me of his interactions with Lazarus when it says that Jesus wept. It reminds us of his humanity. Yes, the very same king who is on a donkey, who the donkey itself is serving him, who can control all of nature, is still human, weeping bitterly. And so we have him being crowned humbly, and we have him crying bitterly. But there's also some significance to the fact that this donkey that he was leading in was an unbroken donkey that had never been ridden. In the Old Testament, these were the kind of animals that were used for sacrifice. It says in Numbers that a red heifer would be used as a, as a sacrifice, that a red heifer that had never been ridden would be used as a sacrifice to pay for sins. In other times, it says in these other passages that, 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 that these animals, these, this spotless, perfect foal would be used as a substitute for us. And picture this. Do you see what's happening here? As Jesus is being carried by a donkey into Jerusalem, it's a little picture of our own spotless lamb carrying a cross to, to Calvary. It's a little picture of, of himself being the one who would take on our sin. And so yes, we see, we see the, uh, him being crowned, we see him being carried, and then we see him cross-bearing. We see him cross-bearing. Chad Bird did a video on this that I thought was really profound. He said, the king did not come to be served, but to serve. The king did not come to be saved, but to save. This is the significance. 
This is the, the power of this moment as we look and see Jesus on a donkey. I pray that we see a king. I pray that we see a king that can move mountains, a king that, the nat- that nature itself must submit to. I pray that we see a king who cries for us, who hurts with us, who sees our pain, who sees our misery, who sees our fallenness and feels it with us and bears a cross to deal with it. When you see Jesus on a donkey, I pray this is the Jesus you see. And the question I would have for you is, where are you in this story? Where are you in this story? Seems to me there's three kinds of people in this story. There's probably more. There's many folks in this room today. One is you got the watchers, right? They're just here for the show. Like, Jesus is coming Everyone's shouting, Hosanna, this is a great show. This is like, like in middle school or high school when there's a fight, right? And everybody needs to run and see the fight, right? They need to see that. Like, 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 like there's something happening and they want to go and they want to see this and they're just the watchers. Maybe they're not crying, Hosanna. Maybe they don't really want to get saved. But they just want to see what's going on. Or They're just curious. Or... They're a different kind of watcher. They're a watcher, but they're the religious kind of watcher. Like the Pharisees. Like the religious folks in that room who, as they're watching, you can see in the Luke account, it says that they, they cry out to Jesus in verse, uh, uh, verse 39. It says, some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, teacher, rebuke your disciples. He answered, I tell you, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out. Sometimes uh, the religious folks as they're watching, they get a little uncomfortable with the things that Jesus calls us to do, with the things that Jesus does, with the people he interacts with with, 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 with the kinds of places that he goes, and they're just watching, saying, hey, you, you can't do that. And so we have the watchers. Or maybe you're like me, and you're more of like the wanters. <laughs> I think I just made up a word. The wanters. You see, we have this crowd and everyone's saying, save us, but the problem is, is that the people who are crying, save us, they're asking to be saved from the wrong things. They're thinking that Jesus is coming to save them from the government. They're thinking that Jesus is coming to save them from from their their, their economic situation or from from Rome or or from, from some other situation, and Jesus, he's not coming there to deal with Rome. He's coming there to deal with their sin. He's coming there to deal with their brokenness. He's coming there to deal with you and me, sinners in need of grace. And I want you to hear this, especially in our day and age. Oftentimes, we want to make Jesus something other than Savior and King. We want to make him just a guy who gives us good advice. We want to make him just someone who who tells us about good ethics. And we miss the value, the purpose of why he came, to be king, to reign in hearts, to beat death itself. So as I was looking at this, I asked myself, Logan, how am I a wanter? This Holy Week, 
It can be really easy, especially if, for me, I've been following Jesus for my entire life, 38 years, probably 20 or so of really, truly owning my faith. But it can be very easy to fall in to all of a sudden getting to a religious place where I'm like, do I, do I need Jesus anymore? Like, I feel like I'm doing pretty good. And that's exactly where the enemy wants us to be. Because I'm still a sinner in need of grace and I still struggle with sin and anger and ego and pride every day. And we must be a people that as we are crying out to Jesus, we're asking him to do his work and we're praising him for his grace. And we're wanting to be saved. Don't be a watcher. Don't be a wanter. And here was, here's what I would say. Be a walker. The walkers. Now I'm gonna talk about zombies, okay? I'm talking about people who are walking. As I was looking at this story, I just imagined the disciples. I imagine the disciples who are crying out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, blessed is the son of David. And I imagine them walking behind Jesus. It doesn't tell us that they're doing that. And we know in the story that eventually they scatter, they get confused, they, uh, Jesus, they, they watch Jesus go to a cross, but we know in the story of Christianity and the story of the kingdom that Jesus tells us to take up our cross and follow. That he tells us to be people that live the, the way of service. That's why I'm so excited to look over and see our high school students walking. To see our high school students and their leaders saying, we're gonna spend our spring break serving. We're gonna spend our spring break loving others. That's why I'm, I love to think about fathers serving their children and their wives. Children serving their, their, their parents. Students serving. And because that, that's what Jesus has called us into. We call, we're called to follow him, to be people who are walking in his way, the way that he has paved for us. But don't get it twisted. As you walk, as we walk, walk shouting, Hosanna. Walk shouting, save us, Lord. Walk shouting, Lord, I know that I'm supposed to be walking here, but man, I am prone to wander, Lord. Would you please keep me on the, on the straight and narrow? As we walk serving, make sure that we do not neglect our call to be in Christ. Our call to be full of grace and truth. Our call to be people of the king. And my prayer is that we would stop watching. That we would stop even trying to be wanting and that we would just be walking with Christ. You can clap for that, that's fine. Just clap for Jesus, yeah. My prayer is you see Jesus on a donkey, that you see him reigning. This whole poem that we wrote, as we think about his transcendence on the mountain, as we, see, as we think about his, his reign as king on a donkey, as we anticipate all that's gonna happen on Good Friday on the cross, for the forgiveness of sins, and we look forward to next week in Easter. My prayer 
is that the Jesus on the donkey, the Jesus on the mountain, the Jesus on Calvary is the Jesus in your heart, is the Jesus who is reigning in your heart and the same one who has that power, the same one who defeated death, the same one who died for the forgiveness of my sins so that when God looks at me, he sees righteousness. There's nothing that I can do to change the way he thinks about me because of Christ. As you think on that, my prayer on this day, on this holy week, is that you would see Jesus as he is. And that you would wanna worship him. So I'm gonna pray, and as I pray, I just want to invite you. I want to invite you just to reflect on who Jesus is, and I'm just gonna ask Jesus to reveal himself And then as we think about him on a donkey, crowned humbly, crying bitterly, carrying the cross, my prayer is that you would hear these words. Jesus said this, in this world you may have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Would you pray with me? Lord, you lead the way. You are King Jesus, when we say your kingdom come, your will be done, that's about you reigning in our hearts, God, and we believe that that is personal, and I pray right now in this moment for anyone in this space that perhaps has drifted from you. Perhaps we've been distracted by the things of this world. Perhaps we've been distracted by the desires and the aspirations of our own heart or our own sin or others, others, hurt of us, I pray, Jesus, in this moment that we together would see you. That we would see you, king of kings, riding on a donkey. And God, I pray that right now in this moment that we would see you seeing us. That we would see your eyes looking at us and seeing our sin, seeing our brokenness, and crying. And as we think about you on the donkey, we would think about you also on the cross saying, Father, forgive them. We would think about you on the cross saying, it is finished, and that we in this moment would have faith to believe that to be true. And I pray, Lord, that anybody here who has drifted from this truth or maybe has never put their faith in you the humble king, our humble savior, I pray in this moment that we would confess our faith in you and that we would pray this together. Jesus, I believe in you. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe that you are the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Jesus, I believe that you are my savior. I'm a sinner. Hosanna, save us now. And Jesus, you are the king. And so, Lord, as we sing to you, I pray that we would together as a gathered people or those that are with us online, that this would just be a moment for us to be reminded that we are a Christ alone people. That we are a people who walk in the dust of the rabbi. And Lord Jesus, that as we sing together on our firm foundation, that you would minister 
and that you would work in this place, God. We know that you call us out, you send us out to share this good news. We receive it, we believe it, and we worship you. And we pray this together in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.